I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. This podcast is made in collaboration with The Jewish Journal. The battle against BDS is a sort of David vs. Goliath-style fight. On one side, you have the BDS supporters, heavily funded by foreign governments and NGOs, reinforced by celebrities, activists, and an army of social media justice warriors. And on the other side, you've got a handful of eloquent volunteers who stand as a human shield, trying to protect what's left of Israel's dignity in the world. The battle's not an easy one, not at all. Ask Chen Mazig. Chen is an Israeli Jew from Mizrahi descent. We'll get to why that's important later. After a meaningful service in the IDF, Chen decided he can't stand on the sidelines any longer and watch as his country's PR crumbles. While he's a proud member of the LGBTQ community here in Israel and even critical of the right-wing government and its policies, Chen has been touring the world for years giving lectures at extremely hostile campuses and generally getting the word out there that BDS is bad for everyone, especially for the Palestinians. Chen joins us today to discuss his life and the path that led him to fight BDS. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So today we got a special episode. We're filming it. Uh, yeah. So we got we, we didn't get the makeup crew in yet, but <laughs> right. we'll have to do that next time. But you had your hair done. So. I did have my hair done. I got my but hair not done. But not on the head. <laughs> no, no, no. My back, <laughs> my back hair is done. I got it permed. Um, so anyway, we I just recently saw a tweet of yours. We're going to talk about a bunch of things today, but I just recently saw a tweet of yours in which you were about to book some Airbnb uh, place in London or something, I think it was, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, you opted out. You went for Booking.com. How come? Um, Do tell. <laughs> well, a step back. I mean, I am critical of the settlement in general, and I wrote and voiced my opinion about it in Hebrew and in English, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm on the left. I'm progressive. Um, but with that being said, I think that the act of, an, uh, of a website that allows uh, to book online accommodation um, to take sides on a political issue while they have not boycotted or, or, or you know, or divest or, or not allowed users from any other conflict area in the world um, to not to not be able to access uh, houses in certain locations such as northern Cyprus that is still occupied by Turkey or western Sahara that is still occupied by Morocco. Or other conflict areas, I mean all over the world they never they never thought that they have the the right to make a political stand, but here it's okay, and it's not yeah. not only that it's okay they're going to identify Jewish homes by Jewish last names, so I mean, I have my criticism of the settlement movement and the settlements in general. I didn't even and, read that they said that they would identify which homes not to not to put on the website by Jewish last names I'm, that's that's what I'm getting how else would I find out that's one oh. of the biggest problems I think how do they separate would they have did they would the airbnb i don't know if any of us know this but would they have continued in like place or do they even operate in ramallah and yeah. places like in that? gaza even uh-huh. in gaza yeah and they were gonna so they'll continue operating in gaza right. but they that's yeah seems a bit ridiculous but on the other hand yeah um it is a private company right so like mm. they can do whatever they want yeah and we or can do we, whatever we want yes we can but they still offer a better service than Booking.com. Mm, I'm not sure, actually. I use Booking.com. In the, in Booking. Because in, in London, place. London mm. is so expensive, right? I was just there a few months ago, it's and crazy. I took a room in an apartment with Airbnb. It was amazing experience. Right. You can never do that with Booking. 
You can't get. Can you? Does any other service provide the service that Airbnb does, where people rent out or sublet their rooms? I think Booking.com also allows not only hotels. Yeah, they allow private apartments, but not rooms in apartments. Not rooms in apartments. And rooms uh, in apartments, I think, is one of the big advantages of Airbnb. Because you get to meet people, and and uh, it's way cheaper. Yeah, it's yeah. like. Cheap. But you have to ask yourself. I mean, it's true what you're saying. That I have like, no values, so this is why basically <laughs> no integrity. <laughs> like it's true. It's like when YouTube like takes certain people off of there. I mean, you can do whatever you want. You're a private company. You're free to do as you please, but you can't you know pretend to be some kind of promoter of free speech in youtube's case or an airbnb standing up for human rights you're clearly doing something that's askew yeah i mean mark zuckerberg can tell everyone that is a private company until tomorrow but at the end of the day he actually makes like that we're different it's a different gen you know we're living in a different time it's no longer private companies that are online and are being used by everyone can pretend that they have no responsibility the fact that twitter and and facebook and instagram have millions of followers and the same with airbnb how many people you know tons of people millions of people use airbnb yeah so for them to say well we you know we're a private company we'll do what we want no you're not and you should have some responsibility and they will have responsibility because there's anti-bds legislation in the u.s and if they are if if we can if we can prove that they are actually participating in some sort of bds uh there will be consequences in the u.s other way to go about it is to tell them that you're hypocrites so don't um like don't cancel don't bring back settlement airbnb instead put this to work in other mm-hmm. conflict areas yeah, yeah it's like either you're going to exactly. take a stance and then you got to take a stance yeah. right. and then you shouldn't be in places where they persecute people from the gay community yeah. or don't let women drive or i don't know that uh, even though saudi arabia lets women drive now so saudi arabia is perfectly uh, fine <laughs> not really yet not yet nah Okay. You also, were there? the treatment of women in Saudi Arabia. I mean, even if they can yeah, drive, it's the it's, worst. Yeah. Uh, if they can drive, it's all good. Yeah, right. What a <laughs> progress, right? No, but Airbnb <laughs> got, got a huge blow because not only Khan Mazig canceled his, but also Eitan's father, Scoop. Ah, uh, yeah. He probably he tweeted, yeah, Eitan's father mm-hmm. is also. You follow also, my dad, or we follow my dad on the uh, Two Nice Jewish Boys. I yeah, Twitter I page. don't know, but <laughs> follow but, us guys, by the but, way. Uh, or on but yeah, yeah, he posted that like he canceled yeah. his airbnb mm, account that's so that's it. and he was a big, a big airbnb blow. user yeah. i think yeah <laughs> no he's been like maybe he's used it once i don't think he's ever i wonder if he's ever used it he just Dad, opened it if you're listening please comment below have you ever used airbnb he just opened it and then closed it yeah uh, but yeah so i, I would ma- because in the end of the day they, they do have a point the territories even if in a non-political point of view it's just dangerous for their users and it's a huge responsibility to take for a company like airbnb Mm -hmm. to have people sleep in these places which are statistically more dangerous the settlements than tel aviv or jerusalem yeah so so you were going to uh to london for what was that um i'm speaking at an event for the zionist federation in the uk uh actually the same body that got the balfour declaration so oh, they wow. still exist, yeah. That's amazing. And, um, they're doing a seminar in uh, December on next Sunday. Uh, mm, yeah, December 2nd. December 2nd, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. So I'm going there, and also my boyfriend lives in London, so ah, okay. um, it's great that there's anti-Semitism. No, I mean, it's, ter- <laughs> it's terrible, but it gives me an opportunity to see him whenever <laughs> I'm invited there. So um, so yeah. tell us a bit how you got into that. Like, where well, you started out as a, I, I was reading, a humanitarian soldier. In the idea of, I had no idea that even exists. Thought you were about to ask me how I met my boyfriend. Ah, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> no, no, no. Way more interesting. That's, uh, yeah, we met in Starbucks. 
you know. Ah, uh, really? Um, where? No, no, I'm kidding. No, ah, okay. <laughs> we're mad online, dating okay. app, terrible. Um, but we make up <laughs> stories. So how did I got into it? I, I mean, when I was my story, when I share my story on campuses, I'm talking about being um, from a family of uh, Iraqi parents uh, from my mother's side, and uh, my dad was from Tunisia. Is part of the Amazigh, the Berbers, uh, the most indigenous community to North Africa. Um, and how they came to Israel in the early 50s. I share a lot, and we can talk about this maybe after, but the story of this 850,000 Jewish refugees that uh, never received any justice, that no one treat them as refugees. Uh, Explain. So, okay, so maybe we'll get into it first, um, because my family from Iraq uh, came in 1951, but it wasn't because Israel was great, and, you know, they also had a great time in Iraq, and they they said, oh, maybe we'll, we'll move to Israel. No. For years, I mean, for decades, they were praying to come back to Jerusalem. Um, I'm not religious, but, uh, you know, we can't really take Zionism out of Judaism. It's, it's an integral part. We pray to Jerusalem. We look towards Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. Um, so the idea that I hear now on so from so many, from some Jewish groups that are saying, you know, Zionism has nothing to do with, with Judaism. is It's nonsense. It's, yeah. Um, um, and then in... so. After decades of, of prosecutions that uh, really got to the climax in uh, um, in the Farhud in 1942, way before the establishment of Israel, I mean. What's the Farhud? So the Farhud is uh, the Jewish Nakba. It's the basically the day of uh, two days of really uh, um, terrible acts against the Jewish community in Baghdad, like but, Kristallnacht of yeah Iraq. Exactly, um, but unlike I mean, and that's something that my grandma says that. I'm asking her why no one knows about it. And she says, well, you know, when we came to Israel, we spoke Arabic. Um, we didn't really feel comfortable knowing that the terrible thing that happened to our brothers and sisters in Europe, what happened to us was not a genocide in this level. Right. Um, and then when I'm asking more about what happened, it it was terrible. It, there's so, no comparison, but... So what? Ha- well, tell us a bit about fo- the Fahud. So the Fahud was in Duin Shavuot. Um, 42. 42. Um there was uh, it was days that the, the Shavuot, the holiday, the holiday, yeah, which is uh, for our listeners June, in like Ju- in May, like June. September, no, ah, uh, no, May June, right? Shavuot. Sorry, May, June, yeah, 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 like uh, seven weeks bad after Jew, Pesach, bad Jew. seven weeks after Pesach. I know what it is. <laughs> okay, forty nine days. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, basically, it was two days that really terrible programs against the Jewish community of of Baghdad that was allowed by the uh, Iraqi government, the Iraqi ruler. Was there a trigger? Um, no, it was uh, just, I mean, the fact that Jews were part of Iraq, I mean, the th- one third of Iraq, of, of Baghdad were Jew- was Jewish. Uh, my family were, I mean, my grandfather was, uh, he wasn't a judge, so Jews always lived as second class citizens in, in the Middle East, but, um, but he was able to work in the court um, in some way. Um, he wasn't a lawyer because they're also not allowed to be lawyers, but and, and that's another thing that I always hear on campuses around the world that are saying, you know, Jews had it so well in the Middle East, in Iraq, in Morocco, and uh, all over the world, the, the Arab world, but it's nonsense. I mean, that, relatively, we had it well. Yeah, relatively to other minorities, but yeah. we still had it really bad. I Jews mean, having it well means they're not like murdering us. Right. And we should be grateful great. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, so, so what were these like? What was the extent of these pogroms? Were there, do you know if people were killed the, yeah or? of course there was a, more than 200 people died in two days i read killed. the numbers are in dispute still people are not sure exactly 
Right. How come? That's why I'm saying over 200 because they they don't know. Um, you know, there's some testimonies, there's some there's some stories they're talking about 10,000 casualties. Um, but they when 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 my family went 850,000 Jews from the Middle East and North Africa left their homes and came to Israel or the US or other places unlike other refugees that were celebrated and paraded and being, you know, and got this um love from the international community this this group of refugees was not acknowledged by anyone they were just told okay you know, i mean we gave you a home just move on yeah. and don't focus on the past and i know that my grandmother also says she came to israel and she spoke arabic she came from an arab state while there was you know a massive attack of arab countries against this country that she belongs to and she doesn't want to be belong to where she came from so a lot of it is is really psychological issues and and the fact that they spoke arabic i think that's a big big problem so bigish big part of it so they're trying now to revive it but um yeah. yeah it seems it's it's weird how i saw it actually an interview with you uh i don't remember where it was if it was on bbc or i don't remember where exactly but where you pointed out they were talking about some they were obviously criticizing israel and you said you know it it, it really has nothing to do whether israel's doing something wrong here or not there's just this level of this obsession with it that you know with the, the palestinian problem and this ignoring of of like the falhud for example where it's just there's obvious like of course israel makes mistakes and israel yeah. has certain problematic policies and israel needs to be answerable to questions but like there's this obsession with it that's just unexplainable yeah. just to emphasize the point that we're talking about 42 so before it's after zionism but before the state of israel like so there are no real excuses for for basically murdering all the jews um why so, would there be an ex why would no because today you like know, if there's an israel then you can no but you know <laughs> no it's right people say it's people a trigger say, you know that, okay. that israel establishment was a trigger because then we mistreated the Palestinians that weren't even a people back then. I mean, uh, and I don't say that the Palestinians don't exist as, by the way, that's the worst type of Asbarat to say, oh, Palestinians don't exist. They have not, don't say that. Like, yeah, they didn't exist as people, but they did form national identity and they do demand, you know, national homeland and that's fine. So, but but you're right that people are saying, you know, Israel Israel was created on the back of the Palestinians and that's why... 850,000 Jews from the Middle East and North Africa. This is what were, Iranians say today, right, for example. Right. And BDS activists. And BDS <laughs> activists. But then there was no state of Israel, yeah. so there wasn't even that. So it's purely anti-Semitism. Right. But to be fair, like it's like I don't even blame the Iranians. I blame like for, for spewing God. that hatred. No, I blame people being ignorant. Because it's like the Iranians do that because it's like there's like four years off, five years <laughs> off, right? So they can like fuck with it. And they're like, oh, it's because... The... But like, what do you mean really, five years off? Like it happened in 42 and the state of Israel was established in 48. And Iran can say, well, it was built on the back of Palestinians because no one's going to check. No one's going to go online and say, okay, let me check what... No, you know, they're saying now... Yeah. Currently, that this we is exist, what happened. No, we exist on the account of the Palestinians. That's what and I'm we saying. We should cease to exist is that now. They'll, they'll say this because it's easy for them to say it. No one actually goes and checks the facts. No one, like, people are just complacent in their ignorance. They're not going to say, okay, you know, there's this, they're just, they'll believe what's comfortable to them. I don't remember which guest told us that, but the Arabs, they look at things like it's not a matter, I think, I don't remember who. But they look at things like they have their narratives. 
Yeah. Their facts are just, they don't conceive facts. Yeah. Like we but, conceive them. But I'm not, saying. Not only Arabs, also college students. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is I'm saying yeah. it's not even like in the Arab world, it's a cultural thing. Right. But on college campuses, I'm not talking about the Arab world. I'm more talking about the BDS movement being promulgated in college campuses. There, it's just, it's these lazy kids who just don't want to read. Yeah. And you, you've really met that face to face. I mean, you were on college campuses and people were yelling in your face. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing it for seven years now. Um, so I'm sharing my story about my family coming from Iraq and North Africa. By the way, my family from my father's side were um, part of the Amazigh, the Berbers tribe that right. were Jewish in the past. Some of them um, converted to Islam. The Jewish ones that stayed made Aliyah. Most of them, some went to, to France. But they're the most indigenous community to North Africa. So the notion that Jews are not indigenous to, to this area, I mean, they came from Judea. They were expelled from Judea when it was actually Judea. And then for decades, they lived in North Africa until the Islamic expansion. Some until today live in North Africa. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm sure I'm talking about my family, talking about growing up in Israel, surviving a suicide attack when I was Wait, 12. wait, 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 wait. Say what? So <laughs> when when I was 12, I was uh, um, I was just seconds from walking into an ice cream shop uh, in Perech where I grew up, uh, that blew up. And there was... Um, a grandmother and her two-years-old granddaughter that uh, were eating ice cream, and the suicide bomber walked inside and and blow them up, uh, blow blow up the. Store. So you were you were like approaching just as you were approaching. Yeah, I wasn't opening the door, but I was really yeah. like I saw the like the whole thing was happening. And what uh, like did you? Can you ex- yeah, describe it? Yeah, I fell back. Um, I had some scratches. Um, there was. I don't remember much, like to be honest. It's I, I didn't remember even after days after that because it was so traumatic. But I remember the smoke. I remember the fire. The the cry. I remember the smell. The smell was the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. Of like, it's awful to say, but terrible meat that was like really gone bad, um, or something like that. I don't know even how to describe it. And then I ran home. And I just got up and went home. Yeah, I ran home. And didn't you think for a second, like, do I have all my limbs? Like, no, nothing. I was 12 and I was just experiencing this terrible moment. Um, so I'm talking about how this day really mo- shaped, kind of you. shaped me yeah, yeah, and helped me decide to be a humanitarian officer and worked with work with the other side um, to promote peace. And I this is when you were sorry, this is when you were 11, 12. So it was what the uh, second intifada. Second intifada yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like a crossroads in one's life where you can either go extreme and be right wing <laughs> and left or really left wing, right? Yeah. Because either you're like, fuck them all, let's let's fuck everybody. Carpet bomb, whatever. Yeah, or let's, let's erase them from the earth or we have to find a solution, uh, right? But you found yourself in a comfortable middle ground, which I, is good. Yeah, I think I am right now. I don't think I was always like that. When I got to the army, I was such a radical lefty i was like uh, yeah. really yeah everyone hated me in the army <laughs> um and i was like humanitarian officer and and working with the un and in the settlement uh in hebron they they call me judge goldstone because i always came and wrote reports <laughs> about the settlement actually after the army i came back to visit and they were like oh here's judge goldstone again <laughs> they really hated me there was uh, there was combat soldiers that like blocked me off bases and said you can't walk in because you're gonna write reports about yeah. us and all that because my unit that's the job of my unit is to be the snitch to, <laughs> snitch to the un no no to the army to okay. the authorities oh i would never no i'm not yeah yeah 
No, no. But so you guys go, would go on the bases and just report about, you know. And the... tell the commander of the base, you know, a soldier misbehaved here. Okay. And this happened and every, the smallest thing. It's so relevant to the debate going on nowadays with yeah. Bennett and how he just said that uh, the over-legislation, over mishpatizatia I don't know how you would uh, translate yeah, it. Uh, pol- well, no. I don't know how. Like, yeah, that the law confines the activity of soldiers yeah. and to the point that it risks their lives I mean, that's what he claims uh so you were part of the mach- this machine he despises yeah i was <laughs> i wasn't part of the legal advisor of the idf but uh, my work was to know the geneva convention know the international laws and and explain to the soldiers what the international organizations are doing there when i get complaints to f- pass it on to the commanders um I heard what Bennett says, and it's kind of bizarre that Bennett would come up with this now after you know for years is going on t v shows saying Israel is the most the i d f is the most moral army in the world, we uphold international law, and that he says all that in English, and then he comes to Israel and says, oh you know it's we're we're too we're too careful no that we should be too careful. we are a strong army and we're fighting enemy that is not as technological and and advanced as we are." I don't know if carpet bombing is the right way to go with it, but yeah no obviously um, not. And, and I'm sure he's not referring to it, but I think he's um no i I do think that this is what there this is why I can do what I'm doing because I know where I know what the idea is about, and yeah. once someone will tell me you know they're they're trying to like let it off and they're trying to cut some rules so it will be easier to stop terrorists and treat Palestinians and uh, so what made you less lefty then? After the military college campuses in the u s <laughs> so tell it really tell us about that. Yeah. What was your first experience with that kind of uh phenomenon um wow well, two thousand and twelve I think i was in i, I was sent to Seattle by this appraiser organization that I worked with them in the past no long not not anymore i I'm good with them but um we'll not, we won't mention them right now for um Anyway, so I, I got to Seattle. I started speaking on campuses, and then they said, you know, um, the head of the office there said, Chen, there's, a, there's, a, there's an event that I think you would like. Back then, there was a, there was a movie that just came out. Um, it's called uh, Five Broken Cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, it won the Oscar, right? Or yeah, it was nominated. It was nominated. nominated. Yeah. Okay. Um, even the Oscar, even, even with all their hate to Israel, they couldn't give them a, yeah. an award. Um, so, um, he said there's an event that Jewish Voice for Peace, uh, is hosting this, uh, this director of the movie. And I said, well, you know, I know the director of the movie because I served in Hebron and a lot of the times they came, he actually pushed me to the ground a few times. For, for our listeners, Five Broken Cameras, oh, real yeah. quick, is a Palestinian, uh, oh, it's an uh documentary. It's an Israeli documentary. Ah, it's not the... No, but I'm saying it's made by a Palestinian yeah. from ah, his point ah. of view. Yeah. It's but five, the director is not Palestinian. Yeah, but it, the, the film right. it depicts a Palestinian guy with a cam- who has a home uh, camera and films his experiences throughout his lifetime, throughout five different cameras that were broken by the Israeli military. I think Shlomiel Kabetz is the... Yeah. Right, so it's not a director. Shlomiel Kabetz is... Kabetz. Is the... Uh, the husband of Ronit yeah. Kabetz. He's the director and... Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't the director that came. It was the Palestinian, the brother of the Palestinian guy that, that shot, shot it. Okay. Um, so I, I knew the guy because I remember him pushing me to the ground when I was an officer, when I was speaking Arabic to him, trying to calm him down as part of my work. Um, but like I, I'm shocked that this, back then when I was treated so badly by 
Palestinians when I was trying to help them that this didn't change me, made me change sides, you know? It was yeah. just campuses. Um, so anyways, going to speak at University of Washington in Seattle, go, um, do you, you should go and confront him. So I did. And I sat through his presentation of lies, really. I, I, I was burning. I was, he, everything he said was so different than like what? my experience. He's saying that um, there's tanks that are bordering, that, that are taking, you know, taking Palestinians hostage and that we shoot indiscriminately and we kill these kids and uh, we're killing people every day. And I mean, as fake news. Yeah. I mean, but the worst you can think of, like, and showing maps of like so much BS that I was looking at the maps and I'm saying, that's just not true. I mean, we, we you know, it says that Israel destroyed a waterway site for the Palestinians and we actually built the waterway site. And I was part of like, I was part of the, the group that was in charge of promoting this for the Palestinians. So the whole thing was just um, terrible to sit through. And then I raised my hand and I said, you know, his name was Yad. Still, I'm sure he's still doing it. And I said, yeah, do you remember me? And he said, no. And I said, well, when I was 18, you pushed me to the ground. I was a soldier in the unit that helped, helped promote, you know, humanitarian um, work with the Palestinians and so on. And then someone got up and started screaming, take this fucking Zionist out of the room. Get this fucking Zionist. And then some, two people tried to hold him. And he, like, ran towards me. And there was another Israeli guy that was with me that, like, had a camera in his hand because he was filming me. Um, and he pushed the camera to the anti-Israel um, guy that Who approached you. That approached that ran was running to yeah. you. And he was running with his fist, and he broke the Israeli guy's camera with his hands. Um, That's ironic. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I called the article the six broken camera. Okay. Uh, wow, that's great. And there's like, like you videos. couldn't even like make that up. Yeah, and there's videos of the whole thing, but it's like it's terrifying. It was one of the worst. And then moments. what happened? Listen, I've been in Kalandia, I've been in protests where like tear gas is falling on me that I I have like soldiers that I have to take care of and I'm I'm with tears in my eyes. I can't see anything. I have to run back to my base because we're in the Palestinian territory. I was not as afraid as some of those moments that I had on college campuses in the US and the UK. It's I mean you're I think there's like this fake feeling of comfortness and safety that is destroyed when you walk into those Yeah. Places. There's no, this great... no fiercer hatred than white liberal. Yeah, yeah. no. There's this great. Right? Um, there's this great segment. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, uh, uh, Stephen Crowder. He there's this great segment that he does. It's called uh, uh, "Change My Mind," and he goes into a, uh, a lot of a lot of the time into college campuses. Sometimes he does it in other places, and he he has like some obviously provocative, but something that he truly believes in send statement and then he says change my mind oh, and yeah, people come pictures. up to him and yeah. you know like rape culture is not a is a myth or or there's only two genders or whatever and then people you know and his whole idea is to promote this like <clears throat> you know in-depth dialogue where they people rationalize their point of view and the kind of like shit that you see there yeah. people yelling breaking down in tears people get violent yeah. It's just unbelievable, and it it makes you wonder what what happened to like the in American culture that people just can't, or at least the academic uh, culture that intellectualism. people intellectualism, yeah, that people just aren't able to listen. I mean, the guy didn't even let you finish this question. Yeah, that's before you got to speak. Yeah, even yeah. then, you went up and spoke. I mean, but compared to other, this was the first time that I ran into it. One time I was in London in 2016, and 300 students. 300 protest my talk they broke into the room that i was supposed to speak in we had to move to another room me and 10 students and then they blocked the room that we were at bang on the doors 
We had campus police holding the doors and holding Little the for hood in London. That's what I actually called the article about that. <laughs> you are good today. <laughs> the title was Campus for Hood. Uh, <laughs> but like they they broke through windows. They broke window to jump in like you know and then That's 20, 20 police officers from the London police had to come to the university to rescue me putting me in they put up a you know police code on me and rushed me out of campus to to the back door of the university to you know a dark alley and they said now you're safe you know we're out of the university <laughs> in this uh, dark alley you went back yeah right a few months ago not so far yeah in the beginning of the year right January think. yeah and then it was and then there was a 150 protesters ah, okay uh, so decreased um and they got much more security and um they didn't announce where the event is going to be until like an hour before and only then <laughs> they sent text like messages like an illegal rave yeah text messages to the people that were vetted to be a, that were checked you know they didn't background check on the people that came to my event i mean i i don't know i'm i don't think i'm that scary but it's just shocking for me that You know, I'm treated like Israel is treated on, on, in the public, in, in the media and in the... On a personal level, though. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I feel like exactly what Israel is going through because I'm being shamed, I'm being attacked, I'm being slandered, I'm being called names. They, they try to politicize everything that I am. And it doesn't matter where I stand on settlements. It doesn't matter where I stand on LGBTQ rights, the fact that I'm a feminist, the fact that I'm volunteering 10 hours a week for transgender rights in Tel Aviv. Yeah. All of this doesn't give... They don't give a fuck about that. It's People don't want to be nuanced. They don't yeah. want to get into... And I really think it all goes back to a certain laziness. Yeah. Like, it's like... And, and that might be... I don't like this word. It really is. It it's really is. It's not laziness. They choose. They choose to... They, they read a lot, but just what... It's an echo box, right? I don't think they're lazy. They read a lot. I don't but they, they just read, read I think they do, but they just read... The things that they want to see. Because in that, in that case, they would, they would retort with, you know, some kind of rationale, rationale that they've developed in their mind when you argue with them. But they don't. They just chant these, like, four-word slogans because it's easy to remember and it's catchy. And I think they just don't want to actually look at... I think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's actually going through their mind. But. I think that the general public is like that. And I think there's a lot of like small thought leaders within those groups mm -hmm. that are reading a lot, but... you know, Because they actually have to deal with that cognitive yeah, dissonance. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they say, well, you know, my friend here that is, is the smart guy that reads Aaretz and the Forward all the time, so he knows everything about Israel. Um, and I can... Follow him, you know. But, yeah. okay, we had many episodes about BDS. We had uh, Basim Eid, and we had, I don't remember who else, but we had a few episodes about right. it. And uh, uh, the, those, uh, the doctor who just wrote the book about it. Um, Mike Harris? No. And Kate. Uh, uh, Never mind. Anyway, who was that? Kate Wilson. Kate Wilson. Kate Wilson. Oh, she's awesome. And, yeah. uh, but... Uh, Like since you are you define yourself as a left winger, I wonder. Okay, you oppose BDS, but isn't but but then what is your strategy to end the occupation? I don't think that ending the occupation is part of being a lefty. I am against the occupation. I'm against the settlements. Settlements. So what do you suggest then? But do I you have a better approach than BDS. Well, I don't think that we are, I don't think that it's up to us and I don't think that the ball is in our court and I don't think that a left wing, although I am a lefty and I do support liberal ideas and I support uh, and, and, you know, I, I define myself as a lefty, but I guess 
you know, the fact that I'm pro-Israel for a lot of people will mean immediately that I'm not a lefty. Um, okay, but fuck up other people. Like, right. between us, okay, many Israelis are left-wingers, and, but they oppose the settlements. Right. And I think, you know, and also, like, all type of leftists that were loving this country and, and opposed the settlements and opposed occupation because they love the country and they want to see a better country. So I think that's where I would put myself. And I... And I do understand that there's humans that live in the settlements, and I understand that they were put there and sent there by our government. Um, I think that it's that I don't think that BDS would be the way the way to get to to a peaceful solution. So the what do thing, you suggest then? The only just a just a, just a sentence about BDS. It it only emboldened and helped the Palestinians that are radical, that Palestinian Authority, and they see that they have international support, and they're not going to change their mind because if if there's BDS and there's such support, if they're going to get peace, then what? Like it's over. Uh, they won't get international support. They don't want that. On the other side, the right wing government in Israel uses the BDS, the idea of BDS, because they're saying, you know, look, everyone hates us. We have to protect ourselves. So I think the more there's BDS, the less likely it is to have peace. What about a more nuanced BDS? What about the BDS or the, the strand of BDS that says, uh, you know, we don't purchase things from the West Bank? Or from Israel. What is BDS if not grassroots sanction movement, right? It's not unlike the sanctions Trump just... Wait, but hold, hold on. I want I want to understand if like if there was a say if there was a movement that said okay we don't want to buy stuff from you know that's produced within the like Balkan wine or if it's Israelis that are paying taxes in Israel and are part of this you know of, of this country sure I but totally accept legally that. they're not part but of this country no we never I'm, annexed I'm saying if it's if it's Israelis that want to boycott settlements it's fine with me no we're not talking about Israelis no no, no. so okay, okay. So, so that's that's but if you're talking about Peter Beinart that wants to boycott settlements from his luxurious apartment in New York where he teaches at NYU that's an extreme but let, let's go with Aton's example okay so like Americans. An, a, a London dweller who, right. who doesn't want to buy Even let's go further, doesn't want to buy Israeli products yeah. to oppose the Israeli the, government the Israeli government's um, actions in the territories. Right. Is it, why isn't it a legitimate approach, in your opinion? I think that, first of all, it's not going to change anything, no matter how much he doesn't buy Israeli products, because there's going to be Israeli products with his iPhone, with his Waze, with his cherry tomatoes, with whatever it is. And I think it's hypocritical to say, you know, I'm not buying hummus because it's Israeli, or I'm not buying Ben and Jerry's, whatever. So that's the first part. And the second element is, why is it Israel? Why do you boycott Israel? Are you boycotting Chinese food? Are you boycotting Iranian food, Russian food? That's a what about it. That's what it is what about it. But it's not, but this is, this is what you're asking, you know, you're saying, no, I'm this asking, guy that, because look, I, I'm thinking, I'm being the devil's advocate yeah, here, no, and I'm no, saying, no. and I'm saying this, okay? Like, Israelis go right, okay? We vote Bibi again and again. Right. So by voting Bibi, we want the status quo to continue at the minimum. So we don't want settlements to end. Right. So uh, for I'm not sure a majority of Israelis do so, do one seven I don't I don't buy these statistics, but mm. never mind. Politically, they vote for the right. right. There's a right majority, so this is the situation. And so for a European guy who wants occupation to end, He wants to influence another country in the Middle East. That's what bothers me. This is, it's imperialism. But it's in, a very, in a very peaceful manner. He just says, let's say he just says, I will not go to Israel. I will not buy Israeli products. And I will call my friends to do the same. So But he's it's a it's, non-violence. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, there, there's something obviously deeply rooted, much deeper than that. 
I think so. I think that the fact, and it's not, and I don't think it's what about ism because it's it's why why is it why is it just Israel? Why That's is it differentism? Yeah, why is it just Israel? If if you are someone that boycotts other places, okay. Other so causes, what if what if they say yeah. there's a huge movement to boycott Israel? It's a cost versus benefit. I don't see anybody uh, boycotting. Uh, I don't know China, China, Syria, Russia. You know what I mean? Like no, I don't why? see. There I don't see a strong against... enough. I don't see a strong enough movement. sanctions. But you can still buy Russian and Chinese and and Iranian I don't see a strong. Food. I don't see a strong enough movement. I don't feel like it's going to have an effect. I think that with Israel, we're right at the tipping point. And okay. I want to be the camel that broke the stra- the the camel that broke the straws back. <laughs> So then what about, you know... What about it? There's um, a, no, but I'm saying there's a rationale there. I, I hear the rationale, but I'm still... Well, you I cannot th- divorce it from the, from the reality and say, you know, this is what we're... This is the, the world we live in. And there's so many human rights violations. You, even if you're saying, you know, this is one thing that I already see such a progress and I want to be part of it. Like, so you're, you're a hypocrite because you're, you're saying, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to do anything else other than not buying hummus that is going to really affect Israel. It's not hey, going to affect Israel. I say, yeah. okay, that I boycott Iran, Syria, China, Russia, and Israel. Then and it's cool. And the U.S. Why the U.S.? Because the U.S. is a human rights violation country if we're talking about Israel's human rights violations. But come on, man. Okay, I, I got... I know, uh, but it's tiring, but that's exactly what I'm saying. No, but you have, exact... you're, you're like a broken record. You repeat <laughs> about this, the same thing over and over. Give me something else. I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I think, I think what... I America think, now. I don't, I, yeah, don't, America, I don't agree. I think the point is that there's a, there, it's anti-Semitism. Yeah, but, but we want to go around it. That's what I'm feeling. So yeah. if we want to go around the anti-Semitism and not touch it, if you are really talking about human rights violations, I think that there's a list of long. And if you are true and you're doing it because you're a human rights warrior and you want to change something, you're not going to start with Israel. If you're starting with Israel, there's a problem there. You're not going to change it, by the way. BDS is not going to affect Israel. It's economy. In, in I'm economy. not sure. We are investing a lot of resources in that so it does matter for but us public and opinion, it did hurt yeah. us it did hurt us uh, i don't know intel invested seven billion dollars last year in israel wait i think we should turn this around what's your point yeah <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying that bds is legitimate that like they're just you know it's it's evil I people doing bds evil. person no, just, <laughs> uh, no I'm, I'm trying to say that somewhere there is logic to to that argument and i i am looking for a a, 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 a a counter argument that would convince me uh, against these specific people who are not on the Semites, okay, who just want to boycott certain Israeli things. And who, and I also, my point is, is if you oppose occupation, no matter why, and no matter if I agree with it or not, this is one of the most effective single things you can actually do is boycott. I'm not like, sure. Like uh, you are saying, we'll boycott, not, we'll boycott uh, Airbnb, right? Yeah, but bo- For, if you're doing it as a private citizen that is not going to shop in the... And if I start a Facebook group, boycott you, Airbnb. So that's different, yeah. Then you can, make, you can make a difference. You can make a public opinion difference with Airbnb. Or exactly. With, yeah. So I think like for those who oppose settlements, it is an effective... And the fact is we're talking about them right now, yeah. right? So, I, I think it, it, the, the, there's just no room to, to, to play around. Like, it just needs to be stated. And I think people like to, I think I agree. I think if this is what, if I caught you right and if I understood you right, what Ken was saying is that there's no beating around the bush. It's like, if you're 
opposing if you're boycotting Israel, there's some deep rooted anti Semitism there. I'm there's sure some, there is but... or or you're uh, you're lazy intellectually, meaning you heard you're influenced and lazy intellectually. You're a very like influenced person who probably someone told you something about BDS. You want to be you, you want to be in the in group. You heard about it from someone, and now you you don't it's a good actually general care. General argument. It's just it doesn't nail it specifically. I I you feel know? like I feel like, like if you were to go and actually talk to these people who are part of BDS, like I don't know, I haven't done this, but I feel like those are the two camps you would see: people who are like deep that have some deep seated hatred, and people who are just lazy intellectually. Yeah, no, and th- and that's that's what I saw with the people that I faced. Or you never met one single I, person who wasn't neither of those two. That wasn't stupid or anti-Semite. No, I swear they're either <laughs> they they're either stupid or anti-Semite or Or hypocrite, but I like I think stupid. about Gidon Levy, okay, he's not stupid, I mean you read his titles I don't the think article? he's anti semite, and he's not stupid he's i think I don't agree with anything he represents he's calling i d f soldiers Nazis he's been like he's, he's mm. kind of anti semitic Semitic. like he might like let's he's let's, provocateur. let's say this like Listen, okay, wow, racist... I'm gonna get shit for this, but Would he be a capo if he was in? You know what I mean? No, he like, would die that's... within five first minutes of the Holocaust. Like, uh, yeah. hey, we're starting a Holocaust. And Remember, five minutes capos, later, he's dead. Some of the capos didn't have any choice. I mean, it's terrible. You would be yeah, a capo. Yeah, no, 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 I know, I know. <laughs> no, I'm not saying. Gideon Levy has a choice. You know, he's yeah. getting paid for this. It's even worse. He's worse than... Okay, I'm not even going to say <laughs> that. I'm not going to finish that sentence. We should move on from yeah, this topic. Yeah. So something optimistic to wrap things up with? Mm-hmm. Oh, for me. I'm like, oh, tell me something. No, no. <laughs> it's your, it's your, it's your like, job. Oh, come on. I'm really excited about that. Um, it's something your job. Optimistic. Uh, there's, there are brave students um, on campuses, um, Jewish students and Jewish activists that are standing up and, and fighting back. And that's our hope. And I don't think, you know, it's very important that um, both the Jewish community in the U.S., which, by the way, 93% of them are Zionists, are supporting israel um and the jewish community in israel that 99.9 percent of them are zionists and support israel um that will be there for each other and that they will remember that yeah they need to stand up for us right now but israel is this place that was there for my family in 1951 that will be there for that is there for french jews escaping anti-semitism that is there for soviet union jews that will ever need it um israel is this place that it's the You know the warranty for Jewish people all over the world um, and I hope they won't forget it and and you know we're, we'll be there for them um, so if our listeners want to help the the fight against BDS I take what PayPal? can they do no. okay <laughs> buy, buy extra homos <laughs> extra homos uh, no get involved and be involved How? on social media open a Facebook account open Twitter account do you have like account. an organization you can point that if someone wants to volunteer and help In America for for example oh there's so many organizations get involved with APAC get involved with camera the committee for accuracy in Middle East reporting in America who mouthful uh, the Israel project um, you have a bunch of them stand with us there's a bunch of organizations that you can get involved with and follow people like Hanmazing at aGnmazzig um, and you can get you know get information join the fight and don't be afraid and don't be discouraged um, because we have to do it that's that's my belief that you This is another front and we can and we're not doing so well but 
we'll get back on our feet because in every generation we were outnumbered, outnumbered, um, but we're going to outbrain them. Yep, we podcasts. I feel like Naora's probably has more of a bleak outlook than you, but no, I'm happy that no, we got no, some. No, no. <laughs> this no, little speech no. bought me. Yeah, um, really? Yeah, That's yeah, it? Yeah, I'm no. optimistic now. <laughs> um, if only but, it was that easy to change. Yeah. But, um, and if, if people want to invite you to lectures, uh, yes, you have please. a website, right? Yeah, I have a website. It's been a tough few, few weeks since I, I don't know if you know, that there was like an article that defamed me in a Jewish publication. No, no, saying no. Saying that I'm an Israeli spy uh, agent on campuses. Yeah, like a hit job. And everyone from like the Israeli ambassador to the US, everyone tweeted that it's the worst thing that they could have done. It's a very radical publication. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, it's the Who worst. Who tweeted what? The Israeli ambassador to the US uh, tweeted about this article about me and said yeah. it's a hit job and it's disgusting. Right, the article. Yeah. First um, of all, that's great news for you. Yeah. Mm, You're I mean, famous. <laughs> yeah. I no? Know. So, we're gonna, so in the past, I used to get tons of requests for, um, for lectures, but since this hit like, article, it's been very tough. So oh really? Book me, yeah, because I get the organizations; they don't want to get involved with anything that even smells criminal. And what do you mean? But the whole idea. Ah, okay. They actually think there's something to it. That's yeah. that's upsetting because these are organizations that are supposed to stand up in the face of all this shit that gets flown at them, yeah. and they're backing down. That's upsetting. Yeah, and those organ- some organizations that used to take me all over the world and spe- and push me forward to fight. You know, that's really disappointing. And now when this is up. So, yeah. So if students or communities want to invite me, um, you can go on my website, agnmazzig.com. Yeah, and get in touch. Fill a form and yeah. And cool. Cool. Follow him on Twitter, guys. He's active on Twitter. Um, Facebook, too. Instagram. Facebook, Instagram. I have a a funny like Zanis Mims account. So Okay. What is Which it? Which is? Chen Mazig. Ah, okay. Chen Mazig on uh, Instagram. Yeah. Like at H-E-N-M-A-Z-Z-I-G. Yep. Cool. Awesome, guys. So check out Chen Mazig. Um, before we go, we have we do a collaboration with uh, the Jewish Journal, which actually put us in touch. Yeah, I love uh, the Jewish Journal. Yeah, JewishJournal.com, guys. Check them out. They have some great columns. Podcasts. Podcasts. Like the Rosner, Rosner's Podcast. Rosner's Domain. Yeah. And I actually wrote there a few times. So. Ah, ah okay. yeah. So check out uh, Hen's articles. Right. Jewish Journal. Um, and we accept donations. So if you want to help us out, we do this on our free time. Go to twingb.com slash donate. We should do like the, the thing that they do on LL flights where they collect the spare change. <laughs> we should have like a thing where that just like collects your spare yeah. change. Each time you buy something at a supermarket. Give just, the extra change to yeah. two nice Jewish When it's an Israeli boys. product. Only when it's Israeli. Yeah, only when it's Israeli. Uh, we'll take the BDS money too. <laughs> I don't, we don't care. We are an Israeli product. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's it guys so thank you so much for coming thanks for having me and good luck and thank you for everything you're doing thanks